You're listening to Process with Broads and D-Ray. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Process. And we had Sixers playoff basketball last night. The thing is, I saw exactly what I've seen all season long with this team when it came to the fourth quarter, not being able to execute. Joel Embiid not getting as many touches as I would like for him to get. D-Ray, what are your initial thoughts after that playoff loss? They are down 1-0 in the series to the Boston Celtics. I mean, the Celtics were definitely a better team yesterday. Uh, we had no answer for Jason Tatum at all. It was a bunch. It seemed to be like a bunch of like defensive gaps. In the sense of optimism, they stunk that bad. And how many turnovers you say they had again? They had 18 turnovers, which led to 21 Boston points. And they only yeah, it was disgusting, especially in that the end of the second quarter and that third quarter when they were really almost giving the ball away. But for them to play that shitty and only lose by eight, it kind of it's kind of telling of where this team is. I don't know what it's I really feel like this team is in its own way. Well, when I look at this, yeah, no, I, I see where you're going with that philosophy. Mm-hmm. And and there's a couple minor takeaways that I have that are positive. At the end of the day, I think this team is what it is at this point. We've seen the same problems. We've seen down the stretch offense not being able to get going for how long now? So why would I sit here today and think, oh, well, the playoffs are going to happen. Now they're just going to be able to to find a way for the offense to roll perfectly. It just It's not how it works, but... A couple positives. You do turn the ball over 18 times. You do allow 16 offensive rebounds, which makes me sick, by the way. And Jason Tatum goes off for 32 points with an insane second quarter. And you were in it. You were in it until the end. And with the fourth quarter where you barely scored any points, they scored about 20 points, you were still in it. So there's your silver lining. You found Matisse Thibel who can maybe shut down Jason Tatum in a full game. There's a little bit of some positives as well. But ultimately, I still don't think they have enough to stop Jalen Brown, him, and Kemba Walker. And that was the big concern heading into this series. I, yeah, I don't think they have enough to to stop them, but 32 is too much. You know what I mean? We talked about it before. In the NBA, it's not really about stopping guys. You ain't going to hold nobody to zero unless they just have an off night. It's going to take some good defense and them just having a terrible night. These guys are pros. But if you turn 32 into 20, they don't win that game. You know what I mean? Or if you turn 32, or he still has 32, but he had to take 40 shots to get it, and that limits other guys' touches, they don't win that game. It's about either him not getting all the way there at 32 or how hard he had to work for it. And that was the issue. Sometimes it was just, are y'all shitting me? Are y'all shitting me? Keeps getting downhill to the rim. Are y'all shitting me? Well, I wonder if maybe going with Matisse Thibel changes that for next game. I was okay. It will. will. Yeah, definitely. I I do think you'll see a difference when he's on – Um, Jason Tatum for the full game, if that's the way they go. I mean, you would assume that there's going to be adjustments made by Brett Brown, and I was okay with getting Al Horford in the starting lineup. I know before game one, there was a conversation at the media Zoom conference, and he mentioned Matisse Thibel maybe being an option. I I was cool with Al Horford because you're going up against your former team. You're a veteran player. He played well next to Joel Embiid during those 
couple games of of the regular season. It didn't work. He was minus 18 in about 31 minutes, so he wasn't as effective as you needed him to be. At this yeah. point, now I'm willing to make that change. But I was okay with Al getting the nod, even though I knew it would be a tough matchup in the lineup. Josh Richardson was pretty much going after Tatum anyway defensively, even when Al Horford was starting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's... No knock to Josh Richardson because he's a good defender, but I just don't think that matchup is good. I think he has too much height. Uh, the strength level definitely seems to kind of lean towards Tatum. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, what would you do? You were salivating, like, just put me in, coach. Like, let me get on this. Well, of course. I mean, we all understand that if I was in the game, you're seeing more of a two for 22 type game out of Tatum <laughs> with a couple charges involved. I was saying to you off the air, and I truly mean this, and I feel like the people need to know. That if you saw Furcon try and get some space off some of these defenders, that's what you would look like if I'm <laughs> defending you. You're looking for space. You're dribbling with one hand. You can't even switch to your other hand. Maybe you try and go between the legs, but you got no movement. You wouldn't even get a damn centimeter on me. You would have looked like Furcon Korkmaz trying to get some space out there. I tried to tell the people, D-Ray, I tried to tell them that in the playoffs, this is what it is, seriously. People fall in love with the 82-game regular season stuff because it's an open gym, because you can run up and down and play like you're playing at the local park with the random people that call you over. When yeah. it's the playoffs, you don't have that type of freedom to run up and down the court at will. The game slows down so much, and it's possession by possession, and, and that's why someone like Moss can thrive in regular season games, but then can't be utilized in playoff basketball. FOH uh, to my first step being compared to Moss, <laughs> but you are absolutely right, bro. Like, it's a different game. It's a different game. These guys turn it to a different level. And the Celtics have been in the postseason for the last couple of years. So, like, they know how to switch them gears. A couple of Sixer players, not to knock anybody who really don't understand what this time is like. And it just kind of looks like when they went out there yesterday, they were just – they were too lax too early. You know what I mean? And Well, the first I quarter kinda, they started out nice because Joel Embiid was doing his thing. How about that step-back three-point oh, jumper yeah. by the 7-2 guy? Yeah, that was – is that more like your game? Ton of that. No, yeah. no. I liked it. People got so hype about it. I don't want to see a ton of that. You needed that, and I'm great that he has that in his toolbox. Get down low and kill him. Because I honestly, bro, I don't know about you. I'm watching that game, and I'm saying they really don't have an answer for Joel. And I'm not saying that he's out there just killing it. He's getting these buckets kind of at will, especially in the post, just backing people down or just running the floor and being in the right spot. But him hanging out perimeter, I kind of, unless he bought the mixed boy, I kind of don't want to see it because they didn't really have an answer for him on the inside. They don't have an answer for him, and that's why the biggest takeaway from that game, he had 15 shots. 15 shots. The same amount as Alec Burks. In, in a similar amount, Josh Richardson had a couple more, but you shouldn't have the same amount or even close to the same amount as some of these other players when we specifically stated the only way to win this series is if Joel Embiid is some sort of monster. And in the fourth quarter, down the stretch, he's not getting the basketball in the low post. He's not taking those shots. You need to find a way to get him the ball. Now, I blame three people when it comes to that. I blame Joel Embiid himself. I blame his teammates because there were a couple times where you saw him, yo, give me the damn ball, and they found a way to swing it around the other side, and then that would lead to a Tobias awful-looking shot. And then at, at 
to some extent, I blame Brett Brown, Brett too. Because it's like, yo, you got to find a way to get your team to get the ball to the best man on the floor. So I think it's fair to blame everyone involved. But mm-hmm. Joel's got to be more assertive. Give me the damn ball. Like, I don't think he was that way. And he also looked very fatigued late in that game. Yeah, yeah. And that was what kind of scared me. Like I said, it's always been made me nervous about him. You get to that fourth quarter stretch and the turnover start or just I don't I don't know what happens in his mind where I wouldn't say he checked out. He's a pro. I think it's just exhausting. He gets to a point where it's like his body can't really do anymore because mentally, you know what I mean? He's just exhausted. And that really was sorry. Mentally, he can't do anymore because his body's exhausted. But that that just can't happen. I don't know. I was watching it. I do think he needs to be more assertive. Um, but I don't. I put it mostly on him because I feel like Joel Embiid is in the position to kind of stop things. Listen, I need the fucking ball. You know what I mean? I feel like he's in a position to, in a huddle, be like, "Listen, this is what it is." And if that was ignored at that point, then obviously you can't put anything on him. But I see what you're saying. Where he has to be more assertive, that much more assertive. Well, it wasn't just the fourth, so. We talked about his hot start in the first, and then after that, the second quarter, it died down. You just had an awesome start to the game. They had a great first quarter. They were actually playing very well. Now, the problem was they turned the ball over so much that they should have been up way more because they were shooting an insane clip from the field. They were barely missing early, but they were Mm -hmm. turning the ball over, which allowed the Celtics to kind of hang in there. But in terms of Joel Embiid getting off to an amazing start, he did, and then there goes the second quarter, and when he was in the game, it wasn't back to him. Like At some point, he's got to be there. Give me the ball. I mean, what type of guy like Joel Embiid isn't demanding the basketball when you go down on the floor? Now, I'm not saying he needs to take every shot ever, but the fact that 15 field goals was what he finished with, I can't be satisfied with that. You need way more. We said he needed 40-20 type games for this team to have a chance. And think about if he had 28 field goal attempts. Could you imagine that? (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, say that's, a different, that's a different game. Yeah, I know. It's a little aggressive, but you, but obviously being extreme. But that's what you're going to need without a Ben Simmons. And because the matchup is favorable, it would be different if it was going up against another guy that had his type of skill set and who could defend him at a high level. Who can defend him on this team? No one can. You can get these guys into foul trouble. Constantly. The whole point of getting Al Horford off the team. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's why it frustrates me because the matchup is easy for him to go to work. So do it. I honestly think they are. So I think the Sixers are going to win game too. Um, we spoke about it off camera before. You feel this is going to be not a short series. Anybody getting swept? Celtics and six was my was my um, Celtics and six. My guess. I have this going to game seven. Unfortunately. I, but it's a bit of a toss-up of who's going to win because I can't see Joe and B not taking it to another level. I'm just thinking about it from the sense of we lost by eight. All right, what could we do better? Oh, well, Joel only shot 15 times, and they couldn't stop him. And the defense was horrendous, and we didn't really get the rhythm we needed on the defense until the end of the third quarter going into the fourth, I believe, is when they took the lead. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's like you, you, you now when you look at it for what it is, it's like, all right, well, if you knock down a couple mistakes and look at how much better they are, I feel like that's what's gonna happen over these next couple games. I just for me, the only question mark is kind of how you said, all right, you limit Jason Tatum, cool, you still got Jalen Brown, 
you limit Jalen Brown, now you got to deal with Kemba Walker. Can we deal with all three of them? That's the only question. That's the difference in this series to me. Those three guards pretty much versus Joel and B. Who's going to have the better? Are those three guards combined going to put together such a body of work where we can't beat them? Or is Joel and B going to be such a beast where nobody in Celtics can stop them? I don't know. I think those three guards are going to be able to get the job done, sadly. Uh, You mentioned the turnovers, though. And with Joel Embiid, he was part of the problem because you saw where he would get the ball in the post and you had someone shadowing, ready to pounce at the right moment, and they waited for it, and then bang, they went. Or sometimes they wouldn't go, and it would mess with his mind on what he was doing as he's trying to dribble. He had a lot of turnovers. He was a problem, and, and I was demanding for him to be able to be more aggressive and assertive, but he also needs to do a better job, and we've been talking about this for a little bit now passing out of the double team so if you see them pouncing like you gotta find your open man and it wasn't just him Al Horford as well when he was in the post you saw someone ready someone getting ready to go and I feel one of the adjustments the Sixers are gonna make is be ready for that and be ready to pass out of the double team but the Celtics are gonna switch it up on him and do something totally different where they're now gonna game plan for that and the Celtics aren't even gonna utilize that method let's see if Brad Stevens goes down that road but I said something like that is gonna is gonna happen I could definitely see that bro I could definitely see that's a hell of a scheme but I just I I really don't know how much of it comes down to the Celtics I really feel like like you said it's about John B just being like listen I'm getting the ball I'm taking us there he has to go full Hakeem but is he capable of doing that consistently I I feel like this is what you get you get a game where he does do that. And you're super yeah. stoked. You're like, damn, Joel can do this. And then you get a game like this. Then after the game, he says, I got to do better. I got to put this team on my back, yeah. yada, yada, yada. And then yeah. you go, it's like the same circle. And that's why I sit here today and I go, I've seen this. I've seen this. This is what the yeah. team is. We've been through this before. We've been down this road. This is who they are. So that's why I feel the way that I do. I just know this is who they are. He is capable of doing it, but not for seven games like or four wins of a seven-game series. I don't see it. They, they got to make it through this series. We, we talked about it. A first-round exit for this team is unacceptable. It's just... But is it? Because there's a reason why. Yes. Ve- there's a reason why Vegas has the Boston Celtics as a heavy favorite to win this series. So they are massive underdogs. So when I look at that, I I value Vegas's opinion because they're right a lot of the times. They make money for a reason. They know what they're doing. So when I see the Boston Celtics as a heavy favorite, that tells me, ooh, I don't think the Sixers have a damn chance to win this series. And they're telling you the Sixers don't have a big chance to win this series. Like, in theory... After what the Sixers have been through over the last couple years, obviously a first-round exit is very underwhelming. But you lose Ben Simmons, and now all this happened. You shake Milton, all this nonsense going on with this team. Doesn't it make sense to lose in the first round at this point? Absolutely not, because I'm saying people in Vegas said uh, the Thunder had a less than a percentage, a less than a 1% chance to make the playoff, period. Those same people said that. Okay, that but shit that, to me was crazy. Eighty-two game season, though. You're talking before the season started, correct? Yeah. A lot can happen in eighty-two games, but when okay, you're talking about you're a playoff matchup, and obviously Vegas is wrong sometimes, right? I mean, yeah. the Eagles were underdogs going to the Super Bowl. They're obviously wrong, but it does tell me something when you see such a heavy favorite to win yeah. a series. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely it's. 
On paper, it looks like the Celtics got it. But like I said, I'm looking at that game yesterday, and this is the beauty of a series. This is a one-game thing, then y'all are done. Y'all messed it up. This is the beauty of a series. You get a chance to kind of go back and look at what you could have done better. And if you guys lost by eight with that many turnovers, with that horrendous of a defense, with John B not being that aggressive, and you still have six, a possible six more games to play, if y'all don't make the adjustment to at least make these Jones closer or at least get it to a game seven, that's on y'all. I've said it before. I think if they have a first round exit, not only a couple of guys on the team leaving, but Brett Brown's definitely. Oh, done. no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, like it's not even. It, it has no. I feel like it's so beyond the Ben Simmons thing at this point. You're done. You no, know what oh, I mean? Oh, no like, doubt about it. It's a no brainer. That's why all these people are screaming. We know how Sixers Twitter is very toxic. They're screaming. Oh, get rid of Brett. I can't stand him. And, and I'm, I'm claiming it's wasted energy. This, yeah. He's not getting fired today or tomorrow. Like. Let this thing play out, and he's going to get fired if they lose. It's just wasted energy that you're screaming about Brett Brown. Nothing is changing from what he did earlier in the year to what's happening now to what happened in the bubble. I mean, it's the same thing. You're just screaming about the same thing over and over and over again. It's going to play out the way it's going to play out. But you you mentioned the defense, and I want to get your opinion on the D. It, It did seem like they kept Joel Embiid towards the basket. Obviously, the Celtics wanted to force him out, but he was not going out. He was staying to protect that rim, and you tried to have guys fight over screens, and that didn't work as well as you wanted it to. What did you see all around when it came to that defense? I mean, I felt like they were kind of saving Joel, which was weird because it's like, all right, if you're going to save him, use his ass on offense. You know what I mean? That's what Seriously, like you think of a Steph Curry, like, Steph's not going to go out there and try to lock up the best player. Every time you touch the ball on offense, you better shoot. This is a good shot. Obviously, ain't saying go crazy. The way Joel was playing screens and kind of letting guys come over, we talked about before, and they get into that pull-up jumper. Jalen Brown and them, they hit that at too high of a clip. You know what I mean? The way the guys were just um, getting downhill, quite frankly, and he wasn't in the help at times. I understand it's the NBA. It's not college. The help does not mean the same thing in the NBA, but he can get a couple of, you know, blocks from the, from the line side. I just, I felt like them using him that way on defense was to make him that much more aggressive on offense. And when he wasn't, well, what the hell are you playing that lazy on defense for? Would you change their philosophy defensively for next game? Would you have him in a different position? It was almost like he literally allowed anyone who he was defending to stand by the perimeter, and he was seriously waiting by the the pain area, and he wasn't going out. Or I just wonder if maybe getting up more towards where the pick is, things can change, but then you have easier access to get to the basket. So it's give and take. I just... I wonder if they're going to make adjustments. Do you think that they should go in a different direction with the way they use and be defensively? I don't know. I don't know because in a way, it's hard. Well, if you didn't play that good a defense and you did decent on offense, but you were still exhausted into the, the game, is that because they're scared of you being exhausted? You know what I mean? Is it a thing where we don't want to use him too much on defense because then he might not be able to do anything on offense? But Based after last night, it's like you only did okay on offense and you were exhausted and the defense was kind of, you know what I mean? So it's like, what the hell is going to be the trade-off? Either you're going to go for that many more buckets and the defense is going to suffer. You're going to do both and just be exhausted and it is what it is. Or you're going to play a little bit better defense and expect the offense to suffer a little bit. The fact that it was nixed <laughs> with all three of them was just, well, this yeah, is weird. Yep. This that's, that's weird. That's a problem. Yep, no doubt about it. Now, support. For Processed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-belt grooming. 
Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. D-Ray, you ever get in that shower? You're getting ready to go out with your significant other, and you're like, all right, hold on a second. Let me make sure I'm clean. And you go, ah, oh, you get a little cut there. It's like, damn it. You don't have to worry about that with the lawnmower 3.0, you know? Oh, oh, and you ain't got to worry about like everybody knowing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, shit, let's say you're significant other in the other room. You know what I mean? You don't, you want a surprise. You know what I mean? That's because of that quiet stroke technology. Exactly. Exactly. It's my in a box. Like you wanted that to be like a grand reveal. You know what I mean? Doves will fly out and all that shit. A little powder to come out underneath. Am I doing this wrong? Yeah. But you, you got the- your buddies. <laughs> Hold on. What happens when you do this? They all tell you. Oh, oh, Powder comes behind them. <laughs> I got the LED lights though, so I don't miss anything. The seven thousand RPM motor. This thing is insanity. The advanced skin safe technology. So get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code PROC at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get twenty percent off and free shipping. With the code PROC at manscaped.com. Love it. Love the lawnmower 3.0. Now, I want to get back to this bench because off the bench was Mike Scott, Matisse Thibel, Furcon. Mike Scott played literally two minutes. But I wonder if, because Al Horford did struggle, he was minus 18 in 30-plus minutes, would you possibly give Mike Scott some run in that scenario over... Al Horford, give Al Horford less minutes, more like 20, and Mike Scott can come in and play. I don't know if that's better. I mean, they have a lot of wings, and I know Mike Scott isn't the most you know versatile wing guy ever when it comes to defense, but it could be a better option than Al Horford. I like Mike Scott out there. I like Mike, especially if he knows that, dog, we need you to just play defense. Obviously, Mike Scott can knock down three. He can get buckets every here and there. We need you to go out there and play defense. And I feel like he's a dog enough to know if that's his only job, he's going to get it done. And he gives that extra sense of attitude out there. By the way, speaking of, because he'd be playing over Al Horford, let's say, how about that monster scream towards the camera by Al? Yeah. Ah! It's like, damn, (laughs) Uncle Al. That was a 13-0 run that led into the fourth quarter for a 15-0 run without Joel Embiid, and Jason Tatum was on the bench as well. So during that moment, I was shocked. I didn't expect a run like that to happen. The Sixers were actually down double digits at one point in that third quarter, and they pushed back. So... I was pretty impressed with that, and ultimately, though, that fourth quarter, it needs to be better. It's the same thing, though, right? I mean, how many times have we talked about an offense going stale in the fourth and them not being able to score? Isn't it what it's been all year with this offense? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like a lack of sharpness when you really need it. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a lack of focus. And I don't want to blame it on the whole younger team thing because I feel like that's a cop-out. It's just y'all guys aren't locked in. We all know basketball is a game of runs. And I'm not going to lie, as I saw them going on that run in the third quarter and towards the the end of the third quarter into the fourth, excuse me, I'm like, this is too early. They they have a good chance to fuck this up. Save your runs. Save your runs. No, but seriously, like, seriously, like, I'm not saying, I'm not, obviously, you can't control your run. We're doing better. We have the momentum. They're not doing as good. You got to capitalize. Let's keep them down. As that run kind of fizzled out towards the end of the fourth and the Celtics started to figure it out, this is the shit. That's what I mean. They don't, obviously, you can't save your runs, but capitalize on them. That's when they lock that much more in on defense or change what they're doing. It's just, it almost seems like with the Sixers, for them to change gears takes a whole week 
several practices and team meetings. And that's a problem. Why can't it be, yo, this is having the game right now. Joe and B is killing right now. Let's get him the ball more. Or this lineup is working after the one you thought you was going to have and use this one. Their ability to adjust and change gears on the fly is just, it's horrendous. It like, is. It's horrendous. It man. is. It's horrendous. And And going back to the offensive boards thing, that bothered me. You know, we all understand that will is what happens when it comes to offensive rebounds. Like, if you're getting out-rebounded, it's because the other team wants it more. The other guy yes. that you're going up against is willing to go up harder than you. And there were times where there's three 76ers underneath the defensive basket, and here comes one guy who goes up and grabs the board. Your length is one of your strong suits in this series, being longer than these players on the Celtics. How are you getting out-rebounded to that degree? It's embarrassing. It should never happen. And it's such an issue that you are allowing that Boston Celtics team to get extra possessions. And it was one of the reasons why early in the game, specifically more on turnovers than, say, all these offensive boards, but you're shooting at such a high clip. You're coming out on fire, yet it's a tied game or you're up by two. You're making every shot. You can't be giving a team like the Celtics all of these extra opportunities, it's not going to work. Jalen Brown's going to make a big-time shot, or Tatum's going to take it to the rack, or Kemba Walker's going to dance around a bit and make a shot. And it, it just can't happen. By the way, I didn't think Kemba Walker had some insane stellar game. He took he, he took a, he took 16 shots to get his 19 points. So, And Shake Milton was on him at times. Yeah. He, he didn't have a great game, but his buckets were so damn timely. Right. Like, it was the ones that really hurt, especially when he would, you know, break down. And this one's about with the miscommunication. It was several times. You let me know if you saw this. He would come off a screen, and he would be in this gray area. And you can't get every Kimber time. Walker literally, a pull up. Literally almost every time. Yeah, like you can't give Kimball Walker a pull-up too. You know what I mean? Either force his ass to go all the way to the basket or stay in front of him on the three-point line. He would come off those screens, and it would be four feet between him and the defender of the screen, and the guys behind him, and he's just hitting these timely pull-up jumpers where you have all the momentum going, or we're climbing back, and then he hits one of them. That's what kills teams. You know, you're fighting, you're fighting, you're fighting, and then something happens. It's just, bro, come on, man. We need, we need a change of pace, and that's just just... I was shocked to see Shake Milton on Kemba, though, to to kind of start the game off. And Shake, I don't know. I, I thought the matchups would be more like Jason – or why do I always call him Jason Richardson? Man, I, I feel like I'm not the only one to do that, though. Um, Josh Richardson would be on Kemba, and you would have put what, – what was I laying out there for Jason Tatum? I, well, I thought it would be more of like a team effort on – Jason Tatum, honestly. I thought Al Horford, you would be able to utilize the length of Al Horford and maybe Embiid in the paint to shut off a wall, if you will, for oh, okay. a Jason Tatum kind of thing. Not, not just one-on-one, hey, let's put Al Horford on Jason Tatum. That would be a legit nightmare. But I thought maybe you can utilize some team defense on Jason Tatum. Give him some different looks. Give him Al. Give him Josh. Give him Tobias. Like length, different sizes. Maybe even Embiid at some points. I know Embiid has had a history of getting on Jason Tatum at times and being able to be a factor because because of the length. So just throw different looks at him. But I thought one-on-one type of things, Tobias would be on Gordon Hayward, and you would have Shake Milton on uh, Jalen Brown. Even that's not a matchup I love. I didn't think Kemba would be the guy for Shake Milton. But, I mean, he, he was... He wasn't, like, insanely, wow, this is horrendous. He wasn't good either by any means. But I don't know. I just didn't expect to see it that way. But regardless, I wasn't, like totally underwhelmed with the matchups that I saw. I, I understand why they went down that road, and you just got to find a way to stop 
Jason Tatum earlier in the game, and maybe Matisse Thybul is the guy that you're looking for. He definitely played a big-time factor defensively for this team, so maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need Matisse Thybul to play all game long on Tatum and just run around and make sure that his night is a living hell because he does have the ability to do that. I was a little shocked with how well he did right off the jump. I mean, I know that his defense is great. Well, he gets into foul trouble. Imagine if he starts a game and then he gets two personal fouls in the first five minutes. Well, now what's your game plan? Yeah. I I like Matisse Thibel because on the Jason Tatum matchup because of his length. You you need – it's – I've only seen players like Jason Tatum struggle with two types of people, either somebody that matches them pretty much um, in length of athleticism or somebody who's small but strong as shit and laterally fast, so they really can't get around them. But then with a Jason Tatum, I'm imagining a, a more efficient Patrick Beverly, I guess the best type of player that I could lay out there. But the issue with that is he's going to shoot over him. And that's what I kind of saw with Josh Richardson at times. He was wheeling and dealing, and he had all these spins. Josh Richardson was in him for the most part. He was in front of him. But then as he gets downhill, he raises that ball up. He's shooting layups right over him because he's just not tall enough. I like that Matisse Thibault matchup because the height is right there. The length in the arms is right there. This is really going to come down to you earning this bucket. It's not the athleticism is right there. It's not there's some head and shoulders advantage. But with Josh Richardson, he's not as athletic as Jason Tatum. He's not as tall as him. And I really think Jason Tatum, based off of last night, is stronger. That, that didn't look like a good one to me. Yeah, we'll see what the adjustments are. I, I think we can all agree that Matisse Thibel is probably in play here. All right, a couple things I want to hit on before we end this. One, Gordon Hayward going out with that injury. I, I'd never want to see injury upon anyone, especially, though, someone who's already been through something so tragic before. This, nowhere close to what he went through in the past, but still, that replay of his ankle was pretty gross, and now he's going to get an MRI. At this point, I haven't heard any update on him, but I just pray that he's okay. I never want to see anyone go down. But um, in, in terms of him and that injury that is a factor in the series and that could be a difference maker not that Gordon Hayward has lived up to the big hype I know that a lot of Celtics fans are frustrated with him it's not like he's some insane takeover game-changing guy every single night but you know he can be on one given night and if the Celtics don't have him that is something that could benefit the Sixers on the floor once again I don't want anything to happen to anyone but it, it is a part of what happened last night very much so yeah, it could, it could change it. It could change. Yeah. It could change a lot because now you, um, you know, you lose a guy like Gordon Hayward who can score the bucket, and I wonder how they would try and fill that role. Would it be a, a Marcus Smart out there on the court? It, it affects the bench depth of the team because outside of Marcus Smart coming off the bench, sure they have a couple guys that can give you some minutes, but it drops off after Marcus Smart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Celtics don't. To me, it's like I said, it's really going to take those top three guards just going the fuck off. I understand that they're a favorite. They're a great team. I understand they have a good scheme. But as far as this matchup goes, to me, the Sixers should stand more of a chance than, oh, it's just over. I just, I can't buy that because of the matchups. Not because, obviously, they're the better team. They've shown that they, this year, they were the better team. But like I said, to me, the NBA comes down to so much of, of matchups. Look at what the Heat did back in 2011. They run up against the Mavericks. They just did not match up well with that team. You know what I mean? So I I really can't call it with these guys. I feel like yesterday was just, it was child's play for them once again. It was something that they could have controlled, but at the same time. Yep, you said it's child's play once again. And sadly, you saying once again just proves where we are with this team. All right, last here. It's disheartening. 
Tobias Harris, not good enough. Just not good enough. He, he had some ugly-looking shots in the fourth quarter down the stretch. Not what we need out of him, and he needs to be way better. Sure, he had some assist numbers that are better than what he's used to getting. I don't care about that. I need way more efficient basketball out of Tobias Harris. And to be fair, I look at the Joel Embiid problem of not taking enough shots more than I do Tobias, but you need both going. Let's be real. You need both of those players going more so Joel Embiid than Tobias, but I still need way more out of Toby. Very unacceptable performance out of him. And I, I saw I thought sometimes defensively, I, I knew he wasn't a great defender, but sometimes defensively, I cringed last night watching him. Yeah, no, it was bad, bro. He he definitely has to step it up. I mean, the whole team has to step it up, but like you said, it's Ben Simmons is down. Next man up is Tobias Harris. And it's always been Tobias, and we always gave him a pass because he's been solid, but last night was unacceptable. So let me ask you this. Yeah, you say about the wrap-up. What do you see for the next game? I see Matisse Thibel probably in the starting lineup. I think okay. Al Horford doesn't get 30-plus minutes, maybe mid-20s. Maybe Mike Scott gets some more run in there. Maybe he'll be able to handle it more. That's the way I would go. I think Alec Burks had plenty of time off the bench. He's someone who can get you a bucket, who can who shoots the basketball when things look ugly offensively, which seems to happen a lot with this team. So I'm okay with what Alec Burks got. I'm sure Furkan's going to get another couple-minute run. And as much as I rip on Furkan, those seven minutes he played wasn't the difference in winning this game or not. So it's it's not like you know that was crucial to this thing. But um, I would expect Matisse Thibel to be on Jason Tatum to try and slow him down. And Joel Embiid's got to shoot more. So you got to find a way to implement him in the offense way more, which is crazy to say that we are here dissecting game one and we are talking about finding a way to get Joel Embiid more looks in the basketball game. But I think that's what you see. Uh, how about you? You see anything like that change, like those uh, type of changes happening? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely see a change in starting lineup with Matisse. I see, I see, uh, <laughs> I see, I see Joel and B um, coming out maybe too aggressive and kind of rushing to that first, but hopefully getting into a rhythm. I'll take too aggressive. I'll take yeah. too aggressive all day. For some reason, I, I feel like Shake Milton's going to turn it into another gear, but I honestly see a Sixers W. I, I see a convincing one. Oh, I see, I see one that kind of makes people look at the series and be like. Well, hold on. You know what I mean? What'd you I'm put serious. in your coffee this morning? I'm telling you. What'd you I'm put in your coffee you. this morning? We're going to see. Yeah. We're going to see. I'm telling yeah. you. A little James. I here. see a convincing. I, I see a convincing win. And maybe it's because the Celtics are going to kind of be caught off guard. But I see one of those wins that makes people like. I, I feel like next time we talk, it's going to be like, well, there's hope. If we can do that again, there's hope. There's nothing more that I want than what you just laid out. Just don't see it happening, you know? I thought game one would be an opportunity for the Sixers to win one of their two games that I think they're going to win. Like, I don't think they're going to get blown out of this thing and four-game series. No, I think the Sixers are eventually going to win a game. They're going to win two games somewhere down the road. So it's very much in play that it is game two. I just don't feel confident about this team because I've seen the same issues. And when I look at the matchup, yes, Embiid should be able to dominate. But these wing play, these wing players are phenomenal. Let's see if Matisse can be the savior. The fact that we're relying right now on Matisse Thibel, this rookie out of Washington, to be the savior in the playoff series, my lord, D-Ray, my he lord, he gotta be the savior. He just gotta, just gotta limit him. Yeah, limit him to, I don't know, the tw- tw- ten of twenty, Amen. or ten of twenty, two of twenty. I mean, ten of twenty would be all right. Point, you take ten points off that that game's one. 
an 18 to 5 run once the Sixers had the three point lead in the fourth and the Sixers shot 29% in the last quarter. You know what I think is funny, real quick? A, a basketball guy, I know Jim Lynham, the coach, says this sometimes, so does Brett. Sometimes they throw period at you. You know, in that fourth period, we only shot 29%. Is that a basketball thing? I feel like you're a basketball guy to throw period in there instead of a quarter. It's like your old basketball guy. Yeah, you go period, period on me. It's like, well, yeah, what is yeah. this, hockey? Yeah, exactly. It's not I say period. It's like, you old head. Is Jay, R- is Jay Wright a period guy? Never. Never. I've never, never heard him say that. <laughs> the period. Never. I love it. All right, we'll end it there. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Processed, and we will see you next time.